This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a terrific Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be here again to talk about things that are important, share ideas, to study a bit, to look at the Parsha, to look at the week, to look at life, to try and understand what it's all about. How we as the creatures that we are, in a sense sometimes we look at ourselves as insignificant creatures, yet we are created by God for a very special purpose, and that makes us very significant creatures, because every action that we do, how we behave, what we do, how we interact, ultimately brings about fulfillment to God's great creation, and that's one of the greatest gifts that we have, the fact that God allows us to partner with him in this extraordinary idea of creation, this extraordinary concept of creation, where God himself brings an entire world into being from absolute nothingness and within it he had placed all sorts of incredible things just look at the world around us look at the stars around us look at the universe around us and this little earth god puts man and he gives us the incredible responsibility duty and privilege of being his partner in all of creation. It's awesome. We stand back and we look at that concept. We try to understand how it is that this small man, limited in time and space, living for a number of years on God's earth, yet the action that he does is so powerful that God says, you are my partner in creation, you complete creation, and this is something that we derive from Torah, because it's Torah that gives us this insight, Torah being the wisdom of God. Torah is not something that some people made up along the way, but Torah is the revelation of God's wisdom to each and every one of us when we stood at Sinai, and God descended upon the mountain that we can conceptualize that incredible miracle, giving us the Torah, The Torah is not only a book of rules and laws, it's the wisdom of God. And within this wisdom, we have the ability to derive the knowledge and the know-how of how to actually do that which has to be done in order to help, so to speak, help God complete the incredible creation that he brought into being. And this is why every time we study the Torah, we try to derive this type of lesson. It's not only the information, the do's and the don'ts. Of course, they are important. They are divine. They are part of the great plan. Equally important is the fact that each and every one of us has to somehow bring out for within himself the ability, the desire to look at Torah and ask those great ultimate questions. What's it all about? What am I all about? How can I be part of this incredible, miraculous plan of fulfilling God's great creation? And it's a very special Shabbos this week. First of all, we start a new book, the book of Leviticus, the book of Ayikra. It's also Shabbos Zachor. When we remember, we are obligated to remember what Hamalek, the arch enemy, the one who has vowed to destroy the Jewish people time and again, since time immemorial and until this present day, we have to remember what he did in order to defend ourselves to what he can actually do. And while many people think that it's, well, it's a nice memory, it's a nice celebration. In fact, Purim comes this week, and Purim is, well, Haman was a great-grandson of Amalek. The fact remains, each and every single generation, they rise up against us, and it's something that we have to be cognizant of, we have to understand, not only in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense as well, because Amalek, as I'll discuss later on, 
is an absolute master of appearing in ways that won't frighten us. On the contrary, we'll look and see a friend, an ally. Yet what stands behind that false mask, that false presence, is an individual, a society, a group, an element trying to destroy the Jewish people in order to destroy the concept of God within creation. So this is a Shabbos which is very special, and an actual fact, Zachor is something that each and every one of us, men, women, even children, should try and be in Shul tomorrow to hear this particular portion being read. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's talk about the Parsha. Wow, we start the third book. And as we know, the number three is very special and unique to the Jewish people. We speak about a nation that's made up of three. We are Kohanim, Leviim, and Yisraelim. We are talking about the Torah, which has three sections, the five books of Moses, the prophets, the writings. We talk about the third month in which the Torah was given. The number three plays an incredible role in Jewish life. In fact, during creation, on the third day, God repeats the word Kitov. He saw what he made, and he saw that it was good. The number three is very significant, because after all, when we talk about it in Kabbalistic terms, the number one is, well, it stands on its own. It hasn't been challenged. It hasn't been proven. The number two talks about conflict, two separate ideas, two opposing ideas. And we talk about three. We talk about the third portion that comes to resolve the differences between the other two. The number three is not only a special number because of reasons that I mentioned, but because it has the power of resolution, of bringing an end to conflict, of bringing an end to things that try to destroy us. This is what the number three is all about. And this is why the third book, Vayikra, is so very special. But when we look at it, it creates all sorts of questions in our mind. It's the book called Leviticus because it deals primarily with the service, with the activity of the Kohanim and the Leviim in the Holy Temple, in the Mishkan and in the Holy Temple, uh, offerings and sacrifices and all those very special difficult laws. And one wonders, why would God give such prominence to these laws when an actual fact is designated for, well, a small portion of the community, the Kohanim, the Leviim? Yes, we have to know which korban, which sacrifice, which offering to bring, etc., etc., but at the same time, in such detail, shouldn't have this been reserved for a special lesson for Kohanim and Levim? Only why is it told to us, and in such incredible detail? And in actual fact, when we think about it, what does Vayikra mean? And he called. What does calling have to do with a book that talks primarily about the idea of offerings and sacrifices, which seems to be a detailed system of law to apply when the temple is standing and the service that is necessary in order to fulfill it. And this is why we have to take a look at the entire Parsha. We have to take a look at the entire book. We have to try and understand what the name Vayikra is all about and how this actually fits into the idea of the third book, the special book, the idea of reconciliation, the number three, the idea of the ultimate good, etc., etc. And when we take a look at the word Vayikra, as we open the Chumash, or we open the Torah, we'll see something quite strange, that Vayikra has a small aleph at the end. There are three sizes in the letters of the Torah. There's the normal size, the average size. There is the small letters, 
and the entire alphabet has dispersed throughout the entire Tanakh, the entire alphabet in small letters and the large letters, and each one is significant. Vayikra has a small letter. What was that all about? And our sages tell us something quite significant. What does the word Vayikra actually mean? And God called to Moshe. What does it mean that he called Moshe? It was a sign of tremendous affection. He called him because Moshe was very dear to God and very special to God. And this is why when you call somebody before you speak to them, you are preparing them for a time of communication. You don't suddenly appear. You don't suddenly, well, here I am. When you want to truly communicate with someone who is special in your life, by Yikra, there is an overture of calling, an expression of affection. There is something that is done in order to ensure that the communication, the conversation, the relationship will be one that is based upon love and affection and goodness and will bring about a powerful and positive result. Similarly, if not more so, when God is calling Moshe by Yikra, he is calling Moshe because Moshe is extraordinary in terms of a human being, and yet there is a small olive. Let's talk about that a bit later. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about the small olive in Vayikra. What is that all about? Vayikra, as we explained, is an overture that shows affection, that shows love, that shows a tremendous sense of closeness, affinity. God has a deep respect for Moshe. God understands more than anyone else, of course. God knows who Moshe is. Moshe is one of the most extraordinary, if the not the most extraordinary people who ever lived. He brought down the Torah. He spoke to God daily. He delivered the Jewish people from Egypt. He is a giant among giants. He is the ultimate leader again and again, sacrificing everything he has in order to protect his people, standing before God and putting himself in jeopardy, putting himself at risk spiritually by arguing with the God to protect his people. Moshe is the individual who is the true servant of God about whom God says he is absolutely trusted in my entire home. Moshe is the perfection, the epitome of what a human being can be. And of course, God has tremendous, tremendous love for Moshe. And by Yikra, before he speaks to him, before he addresses him, before he communicates thoughts, ideas, instructions, orders, commandments that he has to pass on and teach the people. By Yikra, God calls him with a tremendous overture of love. Moshe was very uncomfortable. Moshe was a very humble man. And while he understood what God is saying, he felt that he could not write these words in the Torah that God is instructing him because as a result of his incredible humility, he felt that it would be over the top for him to be referred to in this sort of way. Vayikra. And he tells God, perhaps he should leave this word out. And God says, no, I want you to include it. So Moshe says, I will, but I will put in a small aleph to indicate that perhaps I am not as perfect as I should be. This is Moshe speaking the ultimate expression of humility as the Torah testifies. He was the most humble of all mankind. What is this really all about? And perhaps the answer can lie in the following idea, the following thought. What is the book of Leviticus, the book of Ayikra, primarily about as mentioned before? Carbonot, offerings, sacrifices. 
And we often speak about the idea of sacrifices. Sacrifices means giving something up. Yes, in biblical times, in the time of the temple, of course, we had the offerings of karbanot, sacrifices in the physical sense. But sacrifices go way beyond that. Sacrifice means giving something up. And that is very difficult for a human being to do. After all, it's ours. After all, we think that this belongs to me. It's part of me. This is an expression of my essence. This is who I am. Don't ask me to change. Don't ask me to somehow redefine myself or re-engineer myself. This is who I am. And when we ask a person to give up something that is truly precious to that individual, that is what a sacrifice is all about. When a person actually does that, when a person actually gives up something that is important and precious, that is in the true sense of the word, a sacrifice. This is true in every single area of life, mentioned often in terms of relationships, in terms of conflicts, in terms of situations of difficulty. Giving something up in order to achieve a greater result, this is what sacrifice is all about. Sacrifice is not only bringing the animal to the altar, to the temple. Sacrifice means looking into yourself and recognizing strengths and weaknesses and working at removing and transforming those weaknesses, taking those weaknesses and making them into positive strengths. This is what a sacrifice is all about. Sacrifice is doing something extraordinary. Sacrifice is going beyond the limit of what you consider to be your ability. Sacrifice means giving something up in order to achieve something greater in a sense, in order to fulfill one's sense of duty to God, to do that which has to be done, to be less selfish, to be less self-centered to be less involved with oneself in terms of what can I acquire and what can I get and what can I receive and what can I be and what can I have. This is the manifestation of immaturity of a child. A child always wants and grabs and takes. An adult has to be far more responsible. And when we take into consideration the neshama that we possess, the soul that we possess, we possess a neshama which is part and parcel of God himself. And when we recognize, as mentioned earlier on, that we have the incredible privilege and therefore the responsibility and duty of becoming a partner to God, with God, in creation, in order for us to achieve something like that, it demands a certain amount of sacrifice. And sometimes it demands a huge amount of sacrifice. But in order to have the ability, the desire, the power to Make a sacrifice in terms of oneself. It takes tremendous, tremendous humility. Because when a person is full of himself, when a person thinks only about who they are and what they want and how they should be fulfilled, when a person looks at himself and sees himself as a recipient, one who has to receive and take and enjoy, that person can never offer a sacrifice. That person can never actually transform a negativity into something which is powerful and positive. That person cannot take the incredible strengths that they have and bring it to an absolute level of realization, of perfection, of greatness. 
because people at that level are so concerned about themselves. There is no time, there is no space, there is no area, there is no desire to allow anything else. The space is completely occupied with self. And this is why sacrifice demands tremendous humility. And this is why Vayikra comes with a small aleph. On the one hand, it is an expression of tremendous affection of love from God to us. God reaches out to each and every one of us. God calls out to us. Sometimes we don't hear it, but we feel it. We have this notion deep within ourselves that something is talking to me. Something is communicating to me. There is this inner awareness that somehow things aren't as they should be. Things aren't the way God wants them to be. And this is why God calls out to us in all sorts of different ways, in all sorts of powerful ways, sometimes through an idea, a notion, a feeling that we have, sometimes by putting us into a set of circumstances which challenges us and brings out those deeper dimensions from within us. Sometimes in all sorts of different ways, God communicates with us. What do we do at that point? We can reject it. We can become angry. We can say, why are you interfering with my otherwise wonderful life? But if we listen carefully to those communications, to those divine communications, to the words of Torah that calls out to us again and again and again and again, each and every single day, each and every single month, each and every single year, Torah calls us and talks to us. If we have the humility of creating the space to allow those things to enter into us, that's a sacrifice. And when we bring a sacrifice, things change dramatically for the better. When we exercise an offering, when we exercise this idea of humility which results in the expression of sacrifice, this is true growth as far as an individual is concerned. This is true growth as far as a person is concerned. Because you have created an incredible space, an incredible area of opportunity, you have moved forward in an extraordinary sort of way. And this is why the entire book of Ayikra that deals with sacrifices of all sorts of different types, it begins with the word Vayikra, the expression of affection, the overture of affection that God communicates with each and every one of us. But we need that small olive. We need that dimension of humility. This is something that we have to learn from Moshe. Moshe being the ultimate individual but the most humble of men. If he could be humble, how much more so do we have to be humble? Because, as we know, we are individuals with all sorts of shortcomings, with all sorts of mistakes in our lives, with all sorts of misdemeanors. And yet, somehow, we tend to, well, as a result of self-love, ignore them. Vayikra, the calling comes with a small olive. On the one hand, an incredible expression of love from God to us. At the same time, the response has to be, Tremendous humility and the desire to do something which goes far beyond our normal limits of activity to do something which is great, to do something which is beyond the measure, to do something that we imagine from time to time to become truly great through the offering. And when we do, as I said before, 
the results are powerful and dramatic, extraordinary. And this touches every single area of life. Giving charity, for instance. Giving charity, a person gives so much, a person gives a bit more, a person says, well, after all, this is mine, I worked hard for my money. Of course you worked hard for your money. But give it in a way which indicates this humility and sacrifice. There are, well, people who are needy, institutions that are needy. The fact remains there's always place to express oneself from a charitable point of view. When it comes to doing any mitzvah, observing any mitzvah, we tend to, well, not for me, this is not part of my upbringing, this is not part of my life, this is going to interfere with what I do normally. I can't put on tefillin in the morning, I can't light candles before Shabbos, I can't eat kosher, I can't observe the Shabbos. We have all sorts of justification and arguments, and perhaps a very sensible one sometimes, to tell us not to do that which has to be done. But in actual fact, when we think about it, and we think about it carefully, these are the challenges. These are those incredible sacrifices that make us leap far beyond the place that we're in and we achieve extraordinary growth in our lives. We transform. We stand higher. We become greater in every sense of the word. But Vayikra, you have to have a degree of well recognizing that God is affectionately calling out to you and at the same time to have the humility not to be arrogant about it, God forbid, but it should be a humility that expresses itself through sacrifice and going beyond our limits. And this is why this third book of Ayikra is so important. It's not only something which talks to us about the duties and responsibilities, the mitzvot, the kohanim, the priests, and the Levites, the Leviim, in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle, and in the temple had to perform. Talking to each and every one of us. Because basically what we're talking about is how to recognize those negative dimensions within ourselves and to change them. This is what the sacrifice is all about, to take those, well, animal instincts and to use that energy, to use that power in a far greater way. Vayikra, God is calling out to each and every one of us. God is calling out to each and every one of us with tremendous love and affection. God is calling out to each and every one of us with extraordinary opportunity. But we need that small olive. We need that humility. We need that sense of sacrifice to do something great, to do something which is beyond our normal limits. And this is why this third book is so very special. Yes, it might sound, well, talking about all sorts of details of the service within the temple, but it goes way beyond that. Each and every single detail, each and every single dimension of a korban, of an offering, of a sacrifice has to be translated into a language that talks to us about ourselves and about those instincts and feelings and dimensions within our own reality. Vayikra, God calls out, we need a small olive. The action is sacrifice, something very special. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. 
We're talking about how Vayikra, with the small aleph, indicates a tremendous love from God to the Jewish people, and how we have to respond with humility so that we are able to perform an act of sacrifice and changing the negative into positive and to doing something which is extraordinary. And as I mentioned earlier on, the Shabbos as well, we take out a second Torah to read the portion of Zachor, to read the portion of how Amalek attacked us while we were going out of Egypt along the way, and how Amalek in each and every single generation wants to destroy us. This parish is always read on the Shabbos right before Purim. Purim, the day that we celebrate the incredible miracle of the survival of the people. Haman and his crew wanted to destroy the Jewish people all in one day throughout all the lands of the King Achishvedish. And yet, miraculously, through the incredible efforts of Mordechai and Esther and the Jewish people themselves ultimately, this incredible miracle took place, and we rejoice in special ways on Purim. We sing and dance, and we do all sorts of wonderful things to remember that miraculous moment. But Haman, as mentioned earlier, is a grandson of Amalek, because the intention of Amalek is to destroy the Jewish people. And this is what Haman and Hamans throughout the generations try to do. And the reason they try to do it is not because, well, here's a little minority of people. How many Jews are there in the world after all? What kind of opposition do we represent to these powerful nations and these powerful armies? But the Jewish people represent something which is incredibly important, and that's the presence of God in the world, despite the fact Despite the fact that we go through all sorts of situations of change and difficulty, we move from country to country, from society to society, we are diminished in numbers, we are beaten, we are attacked at every single turn. We remain steadfast and we remain as a people that are witnesses that God exists and God created the world. We don't look at the Torah as a relic of something written about the distant past. We look at it as something which is relevant, something which is here, because God is here now as much as he was throughout every single stage in creation in the world. God is here in the fullest sense of the word, and we represent that idea, we represent the notion. And this is something which a Amalek cannot accept. A Amalek feels, a Amalek thinks that he is the ultimate authority in the world. He has the most powerful army, he has the most powerful weapons, he is able to do whatever he wants. No one will stop him, certainly not this invisible God that the Jewish people represent, but he knows within his depth that as long as the Jewish people are there, they represent something which is far greater than him. And this is why, generation after generation, he tries to destroy the Jewish people. But how does he destroy the Jewish people? It's not only a direct onslaught of powerful armies that come along and wipe out the Jews, as we've seen in the Holocaust. Again, the Nazis, Hitler, Yemachim, are the offspring of a Amalek, those who destroy, try to destroy the Jewish people by taking trainloads of people and gassing them and burning them. He does it in far more sinister ways, because after all, what is a Amalek? Amalek is not only an arch enemy, Amalek represents that which is essentially evil. But what is Amalek really all about? He is able to appear in different disguises. He is able to appear as a friend. He's able to appear as an ally. He's able to appear as something which is going to bring you great benefit. And in this sinister, sly manner, 
He actually comes into your own area, into your own protected area, and from within is able to destroy you. And this has been a cause of tremendous concern to the Jewish people throughout the ages. Of course, the ultimate obvious enemy is something that we try to protect ourselves from. Sometimes we can and sometimes we cannot. But it's that enemy that we don't recognize as such. It's that enemy that creeps silently like a thief in the night into our homes, into our heads, into our hearts, into the homes and heads and hearts of our children and grandchildren by giving them all sorts of ideas which are completely contrary to Torah, completely contrary to the will of God. This is the way he destroys the Jewish people from within because he knows frontal attacks he can or cannot win. After all, the Torah tells us about the incredible miracle, how he came with a powerful army to a people who had just marched out of Egypt, no army, and yet the Jewish people in battle won the war against Amalek. He knows the ultimate way of destroying the Jewish people is not by a frontal attack, but rather by allowing the Jewish people to destroy themselves from within, by introducing all sorts of ideas that he convinces one is good, ideas that go against the grain of Torah, and yet they seem to be relevant and progressive and modern, and all it does is destroy the Jewish people from within. What does a Amalek do? A Amalek tries to weaken us, tries to weaken our resolve to have absolute faith in God, tries to weaken our resolve to have total devotion to his Torah. What is Amalek really all about? He is the ultimate expression of evil. And what is the ultimate expression of evil? Absolute arrogance. I am the one who controls the world. I am the one who is in charge. I am the one who is going to change the course of history. I am the most powerful creature upon this earth. Denial of God, arrogance. And that goes into the, flies into the face of Vayikra. What we were talking about Vayikra is sacrifice, humility. This is the way we lead our lives. We lead our lives with a sense of tremendous thanksgiving to God for giving us what he gives us and calling out to us with an overture of love, of affection. And we respond with humility. Amalek introduces arrogance into everybody's life. And when a person becomes arrogant, there is very little, very little hope that that individual can ever change for the better. And when we take a look at what's happening in the world today, there is this abundant flow of arrogance into the lives of young people. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to behave. Parents are afraid of children. Teachers are afraid of their students, and they're afraid of telling them the truth because the children have become so arrogant in so many different ways. This is what the Amalek philosophy is all about, and this is why. Zachor, remember. Why do we have to remember? Because if we forget, he will slip into our lives. And this is why we have to be on our guard. We have to watch out. We have to remember with absolute conviction to make sure that these ideas don't enter into the hearts and minds, our hearts and minds, and more so, the hearts and minds of our children.
And this is why we have to be in shul tomorrow. It's an absolute obligation to hear this portion being read because this is the ultimate protection against those who try to destroy us. Yes, those who physically try to destroy us and those who spiritually try to destroy us. Zachor, remember, don't forget, understand who you are, what you have to do. You are a child of Vayikra. You are a child who is being called by God, and you have the Aleph, the small Aleph of humility. You don't allow arrogance to enter into your life. You have humility before the presence of God, and this is why you live the way you do, and you remain devoted to that which you stand for and that which you believe in. And this is why this Parsha of Ayikra and Shabbat Zachor come together this year in a wonderful combination of expression, denial of arrogance, the introduction of humility, the ability to bring the sacrifice, to do something which is extraordinary. This is why it's a special Shabbat. So when you are in Shul tomorrow, listen to the words of Ayikra very carefully. Look at that little Aleph in the Chumash and try to understand what it means within your own life. Yes, you might become a bit bored with the detail of all the animal sacrifices, but listen carefully to it because each and every one of those details is the method through which and by which we can become better. And then at the end when they bring up the second Torah and they read a portion of Amalek, try to recognize Amalek of each and every single generation, try to recognize the Amalek of our generation and protect yourself against it. And remember, this is what remembering is all about. Remembering is not some sort of vague memory of something that I stand for and believe in. Remembering truly means constantly, every single day. I wake up in the morning and I give thanksgiving to God. I go throughout the day expressing my love for that which he gives us. This is the remembering, the remembering of each and every single day. So when you're in shul tomorrow, listen carefully. It's a great portion, a special portion, a wonderful portion. It introduces Purim, a time of intense joy, and I hope you'll all have a wonderful Purim and fulfill those mitzvot. Good Shabbos.